0: Welcome, everyone, to The Deep Dive, the podcast that skips small talk and goes straight for the concepts that shape our thinking and behavior. In this podcast, cold expertise is defenestrated as warm philosophy is enthroned in an attempt to explore the field in which we're all scientists looking for answers, living well. to another episode of the Deep Dive with Eyal Shai. I'm joined today by Luke Eamon. Hi, Luke. Hello. It's so good to have you. And without further ado, I'm dying to know what we'll be talking about today.
1: So today I'd like to talk about pain, uh, which is something that most people don't really want to talk about, let alone think about and something that we spend a lot of our time uh, trying to avoid. But I think it's an important thing to consider uh, because it is uh, like a universal unifying experience that if, if you are alive uh, on earth and maybe beyond, um, you have experienced pain. You, I hope, are not experiencing pain right now and may likely will experience pain in the future.
0: Yeah, definitely an aspect of of living that everybody knows and almost universally everybody would look at as as negative. But um, yeah, really excited to explore the topic and see, hear from you really why this is the thing that that came up and why it has come up only after over half a year that I'm doing this podcast when it's such a basic (laughs) thing in life so maybe it's not even something that people like to think about but uh, for you what has been your experience with with pain that gained your attention and made you really think about it more than the average person perhaps
1: yeah, well, and and yeah, it's um, p- part of it taking so long to discuss is because it's, it's something that, yeah, I mean, I have thought about on and off, but have thought about more recently or, or taken it more seriously um, and have, you know, in that vein, like taken my own, Pain more seriously, and and also have gotten to the point where I can philosophize about it um, instead of be in it. Uh, but the short answer to that question of how, why do I want to talk about it, and 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 why is it coming up, uh, is I have lived with well. I have lived with chronic pain for 12 years. I thankfully in early 21, 2021 uh, was able to shake it, uh, but it is possible that I will find myself in that reality again. And it's, some of it's within my control, some of it's not within my control, uh, which Hey, that's, that's a lot of life, right? Um, to inspect this, I'm thinking maybe I should tell the story of how I came to have chronic pain because, um, I think that that will bring up a lot of things, a lot of concepts that we can attach to and talk about, uh, And I know that it's also kind of customary on the show to uh, go into your past and um, explain the personal uh, relevance to the topic. So this is how uh, I came to have chronic pain and how I got to the reprieve. Um, So the chronic pain kind of begins before I actually have chronic pain, um, it's it's I think a number of factors. Um, so, first experience with pain is uh, <laughs> at birth. I mean, I uh, there were there were some complications, uh, so I'm sure that I was very happy. You know, it's very bright, loud, and uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I i can't breathe. So that was fun. <laughs> um, and I had a number of early adverse childhood experiences um, that I'm kind of still in the process of excavating and and doing uh, an archaeological. Uh, investigation of, I guess I would say, Um, but overall there is sort of a theme in my childhood of parents uh, not really being able to address, I don't know if like fears is the word, but the message that was received, and I know that this is not the message that they wanted to send, but circumstances that were beyond their control, you know, a, a major car crash. My sister had complications with her birth that lasted longer than mine. Um, there was job instability. Uh, there was uh, a major illness that one of my parents had, you know, so a lot of stuff beyond their control. But the message that very much came across was uh, we have so many fires to put out that we really can't have you being a fire. Mm. And um, I, uh, this makes me think of uh, Gabor Mate's talk about how um, when he was a, a baby, um, you know, like he was crying and crying and the, you know, doctor comes and, and you know, because the parents called the doctor, he won't stop crying. He says, well, yeah, all the Jewish babies are crying because like we're being invaded. <laughs> and right. they can tell they can pick up on the parents' fear and they know that this is happening, uh, even though they, you know, don't know the words for it. Hmm. Um, so, you know. You can tell that at three or four.
0: So far, far what you're describing is both physical pain, but you're also saying that it's mixed with some uh, signals picked up from your environment that also either amplifies it or contributes to it also being a sort of mental pain at the same time? Yes.
1: And I do think that they are intertwined. Uh, Well... At that point, yeah, the physical pain had, you know, subsided long ago, you know, with the birth issue. But I was being asked, not directly, but but indirectly being asked to hold the pain that I was experiencing, the emotional pain, and uh, not to share it, that I was being asked to... Uh, essentially take on responsibility that you know you really shouldn't have it like three or four or five or six years old so that was i guess i would call it sort of priming of of like when stress occurs um you should put your own problems on hold and help you know put out the fire Um, you should uh, assist mommy and daddy because like they are (laughs) very, very stressed. Um, Mm. And so that interestingly sets a social pattern that was, I think, with support and the key being with support a beneficial pattern. And like when I got to school with other kids, um, you know, and, and kindergarten and first grade, is there a kid who is having emotional problems? Well, I'm going to invite that kid to jo- to hang out with us, you know, and I'm going to uh, go figure out well why wh- why are you why are you in pain and can I do something to help? Because that is the message I'm getting at home and with support. Yes, that's that's a, that's a trait that we want to encourage. Um, and I did eventually, you know end up in a situation where I was a little bit out of my depth, um, carpooling with a kid who uh, was violent and got violent. And then, you know, adults stepped in and said, hey, uh, that's not okay. And no, we don't want to carpool anymore. And with support, that challenge was addressed and the message came across.
0: Right. yeah, this, this reminds me that the pattern that you're mentioning about uh, being a helper. It's literally a thing that um, Alex Howard talks about. Alex Howard is this therapist who deals uh, who has a program for uh, mental challenges on this side of like anxiety, adrenal fatigue, uh, stuff of that sort that are really on the uh, yet not very not fully explored uh, membrane between between the uh, mental and the physical. And he says that one common uh, response by people to anxiety inducing situations is to become a helper. And that is actually a, a pattern that people, sort of forget themselves and go out there and they put out fires constantly at the expense of their own well-being. So they will just grind themselves down to to the ground. Um, so that just reminds me reminds me of that and I want to put it out there so that anybody listening can go research that. Um, yeah, so in terms of in terms of pain, it's really fascinating because it's it it immediately makes me think of, of the boundary between physical and mental pain and i do think there are similarities and that they can and they can and should be compared and put side by side and and yet there is something different about them right as as the, is the difference between a physical and mental pleasure um there is a more visceral kind that's that uh that is physical pain, and yeah, when you conjoined it to are there still do you see an in an interaction between them at that point, or is it that uh, they are one and the same to you
1: well you you kinda um Perfectly set me up for the next part of the story because uh, There those two worlds are about to meet Um, So I moved around a bit Uh, I moved You know Family moved to a number of different towns Um, Moved to a new state Uh, and From the get-go there was this boy who? um, really latched on to me. And he didn't start out as somebody who was a a particularly harmful child, um, but, you know, didn't have a lot of friends, definitely had some behavioral issues. And, um, as we moved up grades together and we were in the same class, uh, he started imitating behaviors I think that he was seeing at home. Um, He started doing uh, kind of all of the classic things out of the domestic violent playbook, Um, like trying to limit contact with other people people, like making other friends, um, trying to, you know, drive other people away, trying to, you know, tell bad things about them so that I wouldn't interact with them, uh, at a certain point, kind of late in it, physical violence did enter into it. And so I'm like 10 and I'm kind of in this classic domestic violent relationship, except I, you know, I'm 10, I don't really know what that is or what a relationship is, but I'm like biting my wrists, <laughs> you know, and and school gets involved, teachers get involved, but they can really only police so much of life, you know, and whereas where the other kid I, there was enough parental support on both sides, you know, his parents recognized how bad, like what he was doing was when I was in, you know, kindergarten, first grade, um, his his parent was dad was just not involved. And his mom, I think was worried that if she took action on this, that like he wouldn't have any other friends and that he would suffer for that. So even though, um, multiple sources like the school and my parents were saying, you know, like this is a problem. She would go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it is," And then, you know, behind everyone's back, you know, do things to try to like, push him further into my life. And so what finally did stop that, because it was not really something that the school could fully address, it wasn't really something my parents could fully address, was developing a chronic autoimmune disease. And that's where chronic pain did step in. And so it was like, oh, I was gone for a year uh, roughly in, in and out of the hospital. Um, and then, you know, that pattern continued, but just less intensely for another few years. Uh, but then it was like, okay, yeah, there's a physical separation and I'm surrounded by all the support that I, you know, could ever dream of because I have a serious illness. And, um, and that's when chronic physical pain like did start, but it solved this issue of, of intense emotional pain. And interestingly enough, when he was forced to not be around me all of the time, and when he, when he was forced to have to interact with other kids, he, didn't, he had to encounter the social pain of, hey, guess what? Those kinds of behaviors are not allowed and we're not going to tolerate that. So like, we're going to make fun of you and try to get you to change those behaviors. And he kind of learned how to have he learned how he had to learn how to socialize. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so for you, for you, I, I hesitate to, to say this universally, but for you, it's quite obvious that um, developing uh, a chronic physical pain situation is directly related to the circumstances of experiencing mental pain that was unattended?
1: I do think it's directly related for myself, at least. And this is part of, like, I I have heavily, I I heavily agree with a lot of Dr. Gabor Maté's lines of thinking. when the, the, the body will start saying no, when you are not able to socially, I, yeah, I would be very careful about universalizing that this is the case for everybody. Um, I think that, you know, disease and illness and, and, and physical issues are tied to like multiple factors, genetics, um, playing a big part of that, as well as, the social and, and physical aspect of it but I think that you know these things can stack on top of each other and when it passes a certain threshold it's like okay you've developed this disorder mm-hmm. um, but if but, you don't meet the threshold then you aren't necessarily going to develop it
0: and and you say you, you did in real time or is it later on you, you did feel relief so i mean part part of having the physical pain is that it's more tangible and then you get that um support that maybe now you now you are so called a fire that's worth uh (laughs) that's (laughs) yeah it's worth the putting out
1: well yeah that's that's another secondary you know benefit of the situation and that's that's something that you know None of this I, I was able to appreciate at the time because it's like, you know, my body's falling apart and I'm in pain all the time. So it's not something that, you know, then this and and this whole story is is not something that, you know, I was aware of or could say at this time or or even the years that come after this. It's kind of after doing archaeology that we that we get there. And so the next aspect of this is, um, hiding the pain is okay. I'm having this pain all the time, but I don't want anybody, but I'm, you know, I don't want anybody to know I'm getting messages from people that they're uncomfortable with it. And, you know, I mean, people are uncomfortable with when you're in middle school and most kinds of being different and, and uncomfortable with, pain and and even though they're everyone's experiencing it it's not just middle school i think that largely there is messaging that you should hide your pain with you know uh, junk food or drugs you know Mm. um
0: and 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 lifestyle choices so so Quite quickly, you're feeling that you, you'd like to, in certain situations, put the genie back in the bottle. But it sounds very hard to, well, it is very hard to do because we know that people with chronic pain or chronic anything that um, we are able biologically to create or develop the types of behaviors and mental states that are really ingrained in the, whatever it is, deeper parts of our brain that are, you know, touching more on the hardware than the software that are really hard to to remove. So it's, it's starting to paint a picture for me of somebody who is going, uh, using some sort of extreme mechanism to, to deal with an extreme situation, uh, but one that is not necessarily going to be fitting down the road and yet it's of the type that's really hard to change uh, later on in life so it's now for you something that that is becoming a burden and yet for you is there any idea how to how to adjust or could you adjust because also i'm thinking. If you're now, if you even found a way to uh, switch it on, switch it off, that would create an identity problem when you go back to the place where it does serve uh, a purpose as a coke mechanism.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're you're really hitting the nail on the head there. Um, I I think I think initial efforts are cute. You know, they 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 kind of draw from you know, being a creative kid. Um, okay, well, I don't want to be known as the sick kid because that's not an identity that, you know, is really good. So I'm going to dress crazy, I'm going to wear crazy hats. I'm going to, you know, uh, do music and I'm going to, you know, try to perform on on stage, at, you know, at, at shows and stuff. Like if I'm going to be known for something, it's, it's, you know, I'd rather that they make fun of me for something other than like being in pain. I don't want people to know. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's something that's very hard to, to hide. And with time and age, and as you know, you start getting older, uh, you know, you start seeing other avenues that you could take. Um, and certain ones, you know, remained off the table for me kind of early. Like, um, I never really got that heavily into drugs, which is good. Um, but it was like, okay, I'm going to achieve academically. Um, and I'm going to start frankly doing things that are not great, that are actually not great for my health. Um, because I you know, to convince others, like the best way, the best way to convince others of a lie is to convince yourself. Right. So it is well, if I'm, if I'm doing really well in, in school, then like that's, you know, that's, that's not the kind of thing that somebody who has chronic pain does. And so, mm. you know, I, I'm not, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very hard to switch it off and, um, there are times where I well I got very good at pretending that I wasn't in pain a lot and I got very good at yeah just like just finding ways to hide it and and often this is through identity things and and um, sort of denying that it's happening like I said, to myself and to others. And I made the decision to pursue music in college. And initially this was because I was using it in high school as a hobby to express myself. And it was something that I enjoyed. Um, and in college it kind of was like, okay, well, now I'm starting to see other avenues of, of how, people in society can like hide their pain. And, uh, one of those is like fame, success and power. (laughs) And, um, I met a guy who was really into making top 40 music. Um, he, I think was into it for a lot of the same reasons that I was. I think he was in a lot of pain and, you know, it's kind of like he really wanted to pursue music, but, um, he only wanted to do it like, or, or only felt like he could justify it if he was quantifying things. If you could see Mm. how much the sales were, if you could see the streams, um, if you could see the chart position. Right.
0: So I want to I want to um, uh, yeah. stop you just just for a moment. So I understand. could you paint a picture in terms, or even you know, we don't really know how to measure pain in people, so we resort to just asking them. You know, how much is it from
1: on a one one, to
0: one on a one to ten scale? But how how frequent is the the pain, the physical pain you're feeling, and how would you rate it? And is the mechanism to cope with that is basically that you push through all day long is it a feeling of just pushing through pushing
1: kind of um yeah if i if i'm painting cuz cuz the picture does change depending on era because you know it's it's all sort of different but um it's at least every day uh it was I mean somewhere between like i would say like a two one to two when it was really mild um but like most days there was probably a four that would kick in there probably you know maybe a five and like you know
0: so not debilitating not debilitating but uh, obviously it's like a now. war of attrition right so you
1: get yeah every once in a while every once in a while there was uh there was there was a really bad day where it's like you know you know i i did like the perfect cocktail of things that you that you shouldn't do to aggravate it and you know i'd hit like a seven or an eight mm. and you know it's like just Like, just cut it off, cut off the body part, you know, I'll live without it. But, um, but those, those were pretty rare. So, so yeah, so it, it is quiet enough on the pain scale that it's something that, yeah, it can sort of be pushed through and, um, You know, I mean, there were certain escapes like, you know, video games are a great way to dissociate because you're Mm -hmm. not there. And there, you know, there were ways to put myself in flow state, whether that's like working on something, studying, doing music, playing video games, um, whether, you know, depending on like what it is, but, but it's, you know, just don't. Don't be present. Don't be in the present moment as much as you can, because in the present moment there's pain, um, and you know, we 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 don't want to admit to others, let alone ourselves, that you know, this is a major part of our life that's impacting us right. in a major way, right. which is kind of difficult, but.
0: Okay, so I, I yeah, I'm I'm sorry for for cutting your thread of thought before. No, no um, and I, I really I'm really interested in the direction that it was taking because uh, speaking about other people and then recognizing how much and what other people are doing to suppress pain and not think about it, uh, it immediately made me think of the statistics that say you know that a lot of the top athletes of the world experienced uh, childhood trauma. I don't know if a lot of what percentage, but the percentage in that population is definitely higher than the percentage in the general population. So going into high achieving uh, professions is in fact associated with uh, the sort of uh, chronic mental pain that uh, trauma would bring or something like that. Uh, So I'm really interested in, in your, um, journey into kind of finding out uh, the other, the other people who might be doing this like you.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I, I, that isn't surprising knowing that um, it's, it's, it's sort of a belief I've heard shared that, you know, a lot of people who uh, make it to like, Prime Minister or President or, you know, like uh, that kind of role. It's it's not necessarily for the right reasons. It's often um, a way to express their issues on a much larger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, you know, it's I think it's rare to get to get somebody who who genuinely is in it because like they are genuinely altruistic. I think that's really, and that, that's a whole debate of like, is there true altruism? So that's a whole interesting whole, but, um, but that is the ladder that I was sort of on was like, okay, let's, let's get ourselves into this upper echelon. And, um, and I got really close. I, I kind of, um, I, I put everything I had in the tank uh, into the college experience. I discovered weed, which uh, was a wonderful thing that made the pain and both physical and emotional go away. Mm-hmm. But meant that there were significant issues, um, you know, that were bubbling under the hood, you know, uh, which included like, okay, so certain things, you know, it it also made it easier for me to not really notice my physical health was taking a beating. And um, I tried to push through school for economical reasons that it's just very expensive to live in a major city. And, um, the school itself was rather expensive. So I was getting heavy pressure from parents So I went, you know, this is the best decision is to just, you know, <laughs> speed run it, just like mm-hmm. get it over with uh, and get as much out of it as you can. And, you know, but that was not great. I ended up with a like really serious infection that I didn't find out about until, um, after I was done. Where it was like oh okay i'm like i'm done with my final project and now i can address this and it was like oh crap (laughs) like oh crap but leading up to that i i got really close i i had um three opportunities that i was asked to apply for to work with people who had at some point had a top 40 record some of them more consistently getting those than others but it was like oh here is here's the dream but there was a feeling of something is not right something is wrong um and there was this feeling that i was about to sort of cross a threshold if i were to go through with it um and if and and it would be very hard to go back if I were to cross that. And so what I instead did was I decided, well, you know what? Like we should investigate this feeling. We need to, we need to figure out or understand this feeling because this needs to be addressed before we go and do something like that. You know, whether, you know, whether you want to call it like deep subconscious intuition or whatever. It was like, we need to investigate before we do this. So I went home, um, was a bit depressed, but I also, um, well, that's an understatement. I was quite depressed. I had, you know, kind of a, a big depression, but I, like one of the first things I did was find a psychologist and, um, go, okay, well, like I'm going to have somebody help me investigate this. And that also help the depression not last a much longer period of time um but that allowed me to start doing this archaeology and piecing together what happened um so and, i just want to
0: i just want to emphasize yeah. uh, to understand if, if what it sounds like to me is, is the truth uh, to you that recognizing this path to possible excellence in in the field of uh, music production in your case you could see that this path is is a fork in the road right it's like you could choose excellence or you could choose um tending tending to old wounds that are are just festering further and are getting worse is that is that a way a uh, fair way of putting it
1: yeah and that's a very good way of putting it, because it's like, well, the industry is incredibly exploitative, and I probably had a good two years of uh, like unpaid internships ahead of me that would have resulted in excellence um, but you know that there's a good chance that those festering wounds <laughs> would have blown up or or gone septic like uh during that and and it's like I would have reached for it and been stymied anyway so um that's that's kind of my read on it now but uh, but I de- there was a recognizing of there's a fork in the road here and and it, it's you know it's kind of like are we going to shove all feeling <laughs> to to the side of the road and are we going to um h- hide these doubts and you know I don't want to say like become robotic because that's that's not that's not you know maybe accurate but um but I I you know was experiencing a pretty steady uh pattern of like, emotion being restricted and so
0: right um, and that and that that is a hallmark of not being mentally healthy in the way that i see it because if being mentally healthy is having different parts of your uh, mental aspect your physical aspect work in harmony then you know every time you're going to shove one of these parts into a compartment and never let it out in order so that you may be recognized from the outside that is prioritizing others uh, mistaken conception of you over your own uh, conception of yourself as a mentally healthy person so um uh, very happy that you were able to to see that and very happy that you were able to make the choice to to tend to that and uh, so i think that that in itself takes a a level of of self-awareness that not many people have and i'm interested to um yeah to hear basically if you were now ready mentally ready for yourself ready to put the the genie back in the bottle if we go back and we see the whole uh thing of uh, developing an autoimmune disease as a uh, a cope you were now ready to reverse it but it basically turns out to be super super hard right
1: yeah um and something that you can reduce I don't know about cure. We'll see. We'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see how things go. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, like you said, piecing together the history. Um, it was kind of like running that whole thing again, you know, like going through going through life over and over again. And um, there was a lot of anger at my parents that started coming out at, you know, how could you let these things happen? Um, it's, It's worth noting that, you know, in having the chronic illness, I didn't really get the typical teenager angsty phase, just because it's that thing of you can't, if you're in a very vulnerable position threaten your attachment with your caregivers. That's a big evolutionary no-no. So that a lot of that was coming out. And so I started having, and, and again, there's that, that investigator perspective going, okay, well, but like, I want to understand. And what, you know, and I, I went in like seeking accountability and it's like not what I got. But um, what I did get was, their, their stories of similar things and, you know, not the same things, but like, oh, so my mom had, you know, some very similar dynamics with her parents when she was growing up. And, oh, I mean, it's a different, very different way, but this happened with my dad as well. And he chose some of the options that I did. And it was like, oh, okay. So then let's, (laughs) it's all the grandparents fault, right? (laughs) No, (laughs) then you go, but you go up to the grandparents level and you go, oh, okay. So like, you know, grandpa didn't have a dad and was raised by his siblings because his dad died when he was young. And though the other grandpa had a, it seems rather, you know, mentally healthy upbringing, uh, being in the trenches in World War II, uh, Kana took care of of that with the undiagnosed PTSD. Um, right. And even, even on the other side of the family, you know, with the grandfather that didn't have a dad, I mean, if you go back even farther, it's like, oh, there's a constant struggle uh, against the British. And, you know, farther back, people in the Irish Republican Army... Uh, and and a lot of you know what I start finding is like oh there's there's intergenerational neglect and trauma um, and a lot of it is caused by war um, and is caused by stresses outside of one's control, um,
0: so which is probably the the baseline for all of us right it would be actually difficult to find anyone with no trauma at the grandparents level because we don't think about it but the world was probably a more traumatic place even going decades decades back uh in that regard i think there there is progress you know we live in the in the in an era where uh it's the least violent era uh Ever so far, so um, uh, yeah. we we should be thankful for that. But of course, like I I can totally see your point that it's it's like uh, just pain on top of pain on top of pain on top of pain and oh. um,
1: yeah yeah well yeah and 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 to the to the point of um, that it used to be worse uh, you know I mean yeah that is true and 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 it's something that I think is easy to forget and and there is that I think it's a stoic quote about like strong men make good times good times make weak men weak times make hard weak men make hard times and then hard times make strong men and 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 there, that is a concern especially with like the current global situation where it's like, you know, I'm really hoping that this doesn't set a precedent, um, and that we are able to continue to make things less physically violent. Um, because I would agree that sublimating it into mental violence, where I think that there is things are more mentally violent than they've ever been, but they're the least physically violent, which is, um, arguably much more difficult to overcome and much more physically traumatizing and you know
0: right yeah, yeah. and you know I I don't know if, if, if that's if that's even true for, for the mental um, part because well first of all you know look, looking really closely into it what is mental what is physical but I think we, we have the power of introspection now which is much, much wider uh, it's widespread as opposed to even a hundred years ago. you know even yeah. even one generation back, people were just not used to looking at themselves and uh, you know everything that you're talking about, looking at yourself with open eyes and seeing, oh, I'm not doing well, what is this? what is it in my past? what is it uh, that's going to be good for me in the future? people were just, living in those uh, patterns that they just inherited uh, for many generations ago. So I, I think it is a superpower that humanity has uh, possibly uh, developed and, and that is helping us. Uh, but yeah, in, in any case, yeah, I'm, uh, I'd like to, to hear more about uh, your findings about yourself and maybe beginning to see if there is something universal about this, about pain, how to deal with it, how to uh, minimize it. I guess in the end,
1: sure. Well, well, and you have to be careful with that. But um, and that'll be the next point. Um, I do, I do think that I, I agree with you that introspection is not necessarily, I think, a super new thing. It's it's that it's become unlinked with the church. And the church has been used for a lot of mm, political things, um, and I think that that it's very it's good that um, we are getting um, understandings of how to introspect that are not you know gate kept and and loaded with lots of baggage, um, that may actually be harmful (laughs) to, to people. Um, as far as universalizing, so a common thread that I see in the, in the story, or I guess a pattern I see is, um, like denial and pushing the pain away uh, to then investigating it or listening to it and trying to figure out what it was telling me. And, you know, there's certain things like don't do these behaviors, these make it worse. And and it's very interesting that, you know, I, I would find certain social links like, um, these situations can be triggering. So, you know, we, we are very careful with that and do very light exposure therapy until we can get stronger with that. Um, you know, like certain foods, um, breathing techniques, like, uh, I was not, uh, you know, it was not like, inflating my diaphragm fully because of the way I was holding my muscles. And that was something that was like found by following the pain. But, um, there's a really great Dawkins quote, and this is not the quote verbatim. Um, but it's that pain is like the original teacher that, um, essentially it's, it's, it's saying don't do that again right. is sending like to your lizard brain something that says that don't do that again here's some information that that is instructing you like what not to do and so i've been finding that um it's it's by following it and by listening to it and by um investigating it i've started figuring out um it's, it's almost become like a barometer where it's kind of like, okay, uh, I am figuring out like, like very quickly, like the foods that are good to eat and that are not good to eat. And they kind of correspond with what like leading dietitians are like, you should eat these things and you shouldn't eat these things. And instead of, you know, eating a bunch, like having a very bad diet and then like 40 years later, later, and maybe even less with the amount of sugar that's in our food nowadays, um, getting diabetes, um, I get a pretty in like almost instantaneous, we're talking like a few hours, you know, some pain that says, Hey, that, but that was not a good idea. And these were things that I was largely ignoring because, you know, that's not normal. I want to be able to eat the things that normal people eat and not have to be the kid at the, at the, you know, or, or, you know, or even the, even the, the person at, you know, the meeting that says, you know, I can't, I can't eat what's, what's been brought for everybody. Um, you know, I, I have, you know, either I want you to make me something special. Or I have to bring it myself. Um, you know, so, so minimizing markers of, uh, difference, um, was more important than listening to the pain and learning from it
0: yeah it's and again it it makes me to think so much about um, how this uh, pain developed originally but first i will say that you know yeah pain is is a powerful primitive teacher along with pleasure right Um, so they are processed in in similar uh, brain structures And basically you have the the one thing that tells you keep doing more of that. And the other thing that keeps you don't do that again. And they both could be, um, I don't wanna say abused, but misinterpreted to create pathological behaviors. As we know, pleasure can drive if you are completely hedonistic and you're going just uh, full-blown, uh, search for pleasure all the time. Well, you you will end up an addict very quickly. And with the pain, it's it's very interesting because your story makes me think of the fact that it's the, the tragedy here for all of us, I think, it's that it's inevitable. Like our coping mechanisms are there because we do have the period in our life when we are children when we are powerless, whichever way you wanna look at it. Um, And when we're in pain, we do need outside assistance to go through it. We do need to be seen, we do need to be uh, supported. And when we lack that, that just leaves us with pain and really exacerbates the the need to to shout out and and turn people's attention to that pain and that creates behaviors which are uh, deep seated in in the brain let's say if, if we're taking the physical um, the physical aspect but um, also create very very strong habits if we're looking at phenomenological um, things and. This is where we stay, right? It's, it's just so hard to see it. And it, it relates to my story in the sense that after with my mom dying, when I was 10, I received this blow from the universe, not necessarily anybody, you know, I guess I could go on. a I, I wasn't the only place where I was going to uh, seek out revenge on the person who, uh, who drove drunk and killed her. Uh, I guess I could have done that, but I, it was always like just the universe doing that and being in uh yeah huge amounts of of mental pain and not really having anybody who was able probably because other people were hurting you know and i know i really don't know what they could have done to take the pain away but then we are led into this place where all we can do is just shout and you know if there are people involved it makes total sense to go look for accountability on their part until you figure out well they had a good reason because they were in a lot of pain and goes down that chain that we mentioned the intergenerational uh, trauma slash neglect or anything like that when well, neglect, is, neglect is trauma Um so it's It's very fascinating. And to me, I remember that it was almost a a switch in my life where I was able to start looking forward rather than backward. There's something about looking back and trying to fix things in the past when we know full well the arrow of time is just going in one direction. That is... um, a lost cause in a way. If, you, if you're going to, um, it's important to look back and understand uh, causes and effects. Uh, but ultimately, if you're going to be after looking for some things to, to fix there so that it wouldn't have happened so that you would be good now and forever, that's hard to do. And I found for myself, and I'm interested to hear from you, if, if it's the same for you that... At some point, the focus has to be future oriented and about and about what is what is good and what is fitting going forward rather than being stuck in this place where you're constantly imagining an alternate universe where this would have been uh, you would have been saved from from everything that you've gone through.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I am just really sorry to hear that. Um, your mom passed away in that way. Um, I mean, it's, it's probably good that you didn't try to go find the person who was drunk because I'm assuming that you were not terribly old.
0: No, I was Um, 10.
1: Yeah. Um, but that, hmm. there, there are two things that are. That, that jumped out at me or, uh, that are, that are things I've thought about with regards to this. And the first of them is, l- like you said about, you know, how do you find somebody that can take the pain away? And, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody who, you know, yeah, like can do that. I mean, it's like drugs, but that's not really a good hole to go down unless, you know, we're talking psychedelics. And even then it's, it's, it's not really taking it away. It's, it's more showing you a path, but, um, and, but and being guess. seen,
0: you know, the maximum, yeah, I think yeah. that a lot of the pain rises when you're, you don't feel seen, just being seen and embraced. That's probably as much as people can do. And I think that some people have done it for me and I have realized it and it has helped me, uh, move forward at, at some point. So, yeah, not taken away, but being seen certainly helps. And it sounds like for you, uh, there were a lot of times, to say the least, when you weren't seen because of the fires around.
1: Yeah, well, well, there there's sort of a saying that's like, "Hurt people, hurt people," and I, not necessarily. I I think that you know there is the poss, you know, it is possible to have a path forward that involves soothing oneself and involves learning from the pain and involves um i mean healing really but another path that is available that i think a lot of people go down is to inflict it on other people and you know well this happened to me and so you know I can act however I want, or you know, this justifies me, um, you know, perpetrating some form of violence, um, you know, or or being a certain way that is like very harmful to others. Um, and I think that it's a lot easier to do the. F- former one when you are seen and when you do have um people who can see you and who can um you know not constantly but you know who can h- hold you so to speak um you know if your child maybe physically but you know conversation, you know uh conversationally or, or you know emotionally and I do kind of wonder if the latter uh, of, the, of the two options of coping where you are you know where people go out and are perpetrating violence of some type is an effort to be seen it's just and get attention it's just maybe not for the right thing right. Yeah. Um and, and it's to fill that hole somehow. Um,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. I I I feel that's true. It goes back to what you were saying about any kind of people who, you know, could could become public figures or at or, least or not, but you know, any type of, of extreme behavior is probably there to distract oneself from just being kind of have a a more uh plain existence where they enjoy uh mental health you know i I do find that mentally healthy people lead boring lives on the outside thats it's
1: uh it's very true yeah. it's, I mean well not always but but yeah people who um, have maybe not had to face large holes of pain and 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 um or particularly large everyone has everyone has one
0: right yeah <laughs> yeah um and what about uh, what about then uh going forward and coming to a point in your life where uh, pain is you say uh, relieved and thinking about the future in terms of balancing things differently uh, between the mental and the physical? Uh, do you see a possibility of them, uh, of the pain going away and coming back? Like, how, how do you think about it today? So uh, what helped you uh, take away uh, both the physical and mental pain uh, to the degree that they have? and what are your what is your thinking about the the future like in regards to that
1: sure um it's a lot of things it's not necessarily any one thing but but a a big part of that is the you know listening to it and finding things like okay i'm not breathing properly i'm not fully inflating my diaphragm and this is causing Discomfort, but it's something that I've grown to live with, and it's not something that I necessarily notice until, you know, I learn some breathing exercises and and realize like, oh, this is not typical anatomy. I mean, there there's definitely a med- medicinal component. I I am on a um, medication that uh, inhibits the pain circuit in the brain and so that is something that's helped but also meditation um, being able to um, like disassociate or non-identify with it is something that's been very helpful again either not putting myself in social situations that exacerbate it or um, you know the more it's not feasible to control you know external Circumstances, so, so, you know, there has been an effort to try to do very, you know, like exposures therapy where you, where you, you know, work up to finding yourself in these situations and um, finding you're okay. You haven't died. <laughs> no. uh, you don't have to be setting off the uh, cortisol and, and the stress hormones and, and you know, ramping up um, pain markers. Um, and part of it's just been successful drugs. Um, but as far as philosophy going forwards, um, it is pretty much if there's something still to be learned, okay, sure. Let's go ruminate on it. Let's go investigate it. Let's go try to get whatever information out of it that we can and if you know and and the goal of that basically being how can we better recognize patterns in the future going forward um so that we can respond to those in a appropriate manner and have uh i don't know if you want to say evolutionary success but just avoid basically just avoid pain um you know uh avoid that in the future and if not um, meditate you know take some Tylenol and uh, try to transcend it or put in into practice uh, one of the coping techniques that we have for it and hopefully one that is on the healthier side of things
0: yeah yeah that's some uh, good practical advice and I like it because it's not going uh to one extreme end of the thing it's like only use the only use drugs or only you know uh, mind over matter uh a hundred percent it's like yeah there's probably something to be taken from from both worlds here and I, I like the uh pragmatic approach it shows that you've actually done the work i think um oh, yeah Thank you. <laughs> well, at least that you're not an harm to expert on this, you know? Um,
1: there's definitely been some some real world experience and, and I and I I mean that was not necessarily intended as advice. That's that's my plan, but if you I, I think sure that, that is good advice to other people as well. But um, but if, I mean if you are going to take that as advice, um, just because I have uh approached things with certain rigor or gusto or taken things very seriously that you know it's like okay I in having conversations with my parents that uh you know are not particularly emotionally healthy you know that it's not like I'm doing nothing but that I'm I'm doing you know that was slowly and over the course of like years and and that um you know investigating is like not an overnight process and is not something that you realistically like should devote a ton of time to that um well it's up to you uh, yeah you know, and and there are no there are no quick are fixes pace.
0: there are no quick right fixes.
1: right right and you have to go at your own pace
0: um yeah and, yeah Absolutely. Yeah. I I, I do want to point out that, you know, speaking of intergenerational trauma and pain, I think that I have a lot of uh, inferiority complex thoughts when I think about my uh, uh, grandma who's going to turn 100 um, this year. And she built uh, a whole kibbutz or village from nothing just by piling rocks one top of another, coming age 14 from Poland and building a life for herself and her descendants. And I'm going to soon move, live in her house that, you know, she helped build and all that. And basically I have this wow. thing where a lot of uh, has been handed to me in terms of, of material abundance. And, you know, how could I ever do anything that, that compares with that? Everything pales in comparison. But now I think that, you know, even conversations like the one we're having now, and that a lot of people in the sphere where we both uh, kind of operate, at least in the online world, um, this talk is happening between people. is about, about healing, about um, the cessation of pain, and... I do think, and I do see myself as now doing, just taking in a completely different project because am I going to do something as impressive as her when it comes to uh, building a new place or something? No, of course not. But I do want to encourage ourselves and other people listening by saying that if our generation, I don't know, whether it's millennials, Gen Z, whatever, you know, I don't think that there has ever been a better time to have the one child that we're having, right? On average, but really make sure that this trauma doesn't pass on. Like, I think that's that could be a feasible challenge for ourselves that we can tend to, and we should not um, play down at all. This is this is huge. We have now introspection. We have a myriad. Of um therapies available to us and and more springing every day, and we have
1: therapy Twitter and
0: therapy yes, YouTube. And I'm yes. kind of
1: joking, but I'm kind of not. Like no, it's amazing it's amazing.
0: Resources. Yeah, amazing resources. And we have mentioned Gabor Mate and Alex Howard. So I'm going to link to that. Uh, but there is there is a lot, and I think that if we are able to be a last stop as many as many of us as as possible are going to be a last stop for these uh things that keep being passed down from generation to generation that that could be uh wonderful and and it's a project for i think all of us to to work on together and to support one another as we go through it um are there any uh, last thoughts on the subject on yeah. your side
1: Likewise, it's something we should aspire to. And, and I, mm-hmm. I agree with that statement that um, my grandparents, you know, it's not the same situation, uh, you know, by, by any means, but, um, you know, my grandparents did a, did a lot of things to benefit me, even if they didn't necessarily stop the cycle and it, it can't, yeah, it's very hard when you have a high stick that you're measuring yourself with. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, yeah. Um, But the last thing I'll, I'll say, my last words is I made this poster for myself um, and it's something that I have on my wall, and I, I hope, uh, you know, it's, it's the stick that I'm currently trying to measure myself with. And it's, it says the following, I am grateful for the strength I have been gifted and have found to stop the generational cycle I have inherited. I am grateful for those who came before me who lifted the burden, even if they were not able to stop the cycle from repeating. And I'm grateful for the positive cycle I choose to feed every day, and the peace that it brings me and my children of relation, association, and reticulation." You know, children I may have that are physical, brain children, and people who they may interact with someday. Um, It's lofty. (laughs) But I think some amount of ridiculous optimism is required to <laughs> to press on.
0: That's that's beautiful, my friend. That's beautiful, and uh, yeah, definitely inspirational and and aspirational. Um, Big time, yeah. aspirational. Yeah. So now it's time for me, you know, to to start the the introduction of of Luke Eamon and just tell everyone listening that. You know, you have been behind the scenes with me on just producing this podcast, and has been helping so much with everything to do with with sound and even just uh, even just support. You know, and and kind of following this and speaking of drenches, you know, I feel like that uh, we've we've been uh, sharing a foxhole together. It's it's not that dramatic, really. It's all it's all fun and games. Hey, but um,
1: <laughs> an endeavor is not easy.
0: Yeah, and you you have endeavor. definitely, I have definitely uh, had a firsthand experience of just your uh, generosity and support and willingness to to do good unto others in order to do good unto yourself. And, and like, yeah, this, this has been a pleasure and I hope it will be a pleasure. And now on, on top of that, I'd love for you to, uh, to just, uh, fill in people on the details of, of what you do and where you can be found and so on.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, I, well, on the podcast, I have, um, been doing a little audio magic, uh, to the, uh, different audio sources that is mostly zoom. Um, but more broadly I do music production as well. Um, and if you're interested in, uh, connecting with me, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Amon. Uh, and I also have a website that is pretty much purely for production, uh, which is www.lukeamonproduction.com. Uh, So those are the places that you can find me. And that is uh, what I do when I am not thinking about pain (laughs) all the time. Uh, And yeah
0: amazing look well this has been a long time in the working and i'm happy we got to do that uh, and very grateful for your uh, openness and and willingness to explore a topic which is not uh, commonly the fun thing to do so um, (laughs) even if it's out of necessity and not and not just um, uh, an interest i'm really happy we got to do it and and thank you so much
1: likewise thank you